Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing a book that came out uh, about a month ago, month and a half ago, somewhere around there. Maybe it's hard. Yeah, it was only it was like a month and a week ago, which is weird to think about. Oh, that's actually yeah, it feels a lot longer. But then we've had a lot of Star Wars stuff happen just in the last month. Yeah, and I which read I'm the sure book, we'll get to. And I read the book really quick, so it's surprising that it was a month and a half ago. So because it takes me a long yeah. time to read books, so of course. Actually, I shouldn't say, of course, no one, other than the fact that there's a book, there were three that have come out since then. Uh, yeah. uh, we're talking about Phasma, our dear uh, silver, pa- sil- wow, chrome. silver pated, silver, pl- okay, silver chrome, our dear chro- chrome friend. Uh, but first, and we actually this- find out where the chrome comes from. We'll get into That's that. True. Yeah, we'll get into all that we'll when there. we get to there. But as I say, before that, we've had a couple of minor things that have happened in the Star Wars uh, world. William, why don't you tell us about that? So, uh, I don't know. There's a there's a little minor movie that you guys may or may not have heard about that's coming out in December. Minor? And... Oh my, is it Smur- Sm- Smurfs 4? No, 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 yes, no. It's Dogs exactly. 2. Oh. Uh, dogs 2. Okay. Yeah. How could I forget? Secret Life of Pets 2 is what I meant. There we go. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, um, what other movie would we be talking about? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know, maybe like a some sort of I, I don't know. There's this group called the Jedi, and I hear there's a like the only one left or something. There's the last Jedi or whatever. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> um, the uh, tickets went on sale uh, for uh, you know, pre-order. Ticket pre-orders went on sale uh, on uh, just a week ago on Monday. Uh, as you're listening to this, as a recording, and uh, during Monday Night Football. And we got a new trailer ah, and a new poster. A new trailer. So, I mean, I'm assuming everyone's got their tickets already. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you you've, obviously you've got them already. We cannot wait to go see it. But what do you guys think of the uh, the trailer itself? Total head yeah. fake. Done. Okay. What does okay. that mean, Good. Tom? Do tell. Tell us more. Okay. What does it mean? What does it What does it mean? What does it mean? You know what it means? I'm it pretty means... sure. I'm pretty sure Ray is Snoke. I, you know what? The way that trailer went, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Snoke is. Uh, you Let know just, what? Totally, and you can't. You can't prove I'm wrong. No, I don't think we can prove anything wrong or right with this trailer because I think it's total head fake. I think everything you saw in that trailer is not to be believed. I think even Mark Hamill on his Twitter page, Twitter account, showed a pit, a picture of Carrie Fisher on the bridge of the starship, and I think he said to the effect of, "Don't believe it." Or, or, you know, ba- ba- he total head fake. I mean, don't believe what you think is going to happen. Yeah. So, I- so I, I think there were three major things that they were two or three major things that they were tricking everyone. Absolutely. About. Um, the first one, obviously, is right at the beginning uh, or, or near the beginning with Kylo Ren uh, and and Leia. And they they. They set it up like he's gonna kill his mother, mm-hmm. right? He yeah, says like, oh, you know, you have to yeah, like, no, kill it, it if I you have it, to. Not that scene. 
So I don't I don't think they're going to go that route. I don't. I think I think they're playing with our emotions because obviously Carrie Fisher passed away in December and um and so obviously something's got to happen to Leia cuz she's not in the next one, right? But I well, don't I think, think they're going to kill her off. Yeah. Sorry? No, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, continue. No. no, no. no. Okay. So I don't think it's going to happen, especially because, and if you look really closely at the trailer, you can actually tell kind of what part of the movie the scenes are from, because, uh, you know, at the end of Force Awakens, Kylo is, is, is his face is, is sliced with the lightsaber, right? In some parts of the trailer, he has a black line, almost looks like a yeah, bandage like, looks or like something. A bandage. And in other parts of the trailer it's more healed. So scenes where he has that black line are probably from the beginning of the movie versus without the line or cl- middle to end. If I had to guess. Seems reasonable. Yep. And the shots of him or almost looking like he's going to kill his mom are with when he has that black line. They're not going to kill off Carrie Fisher in her vinyl Star Wars movie near the beginning. The one possibility... And I I can't take credit for this. This came up actually at work when we were, of course, discussing the trailer. Uh, As we do. Carrie Fisher at the beginning of the movie goes into a coma or something like that that removes her from the action for a large stretch of it. Possible. 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 Yeah. And I know I know episode all... nine was supposed to be her big one. So that's the but... that's the only po- uh, thing I think like. That's the only way I see that going and it not being a complete fake out. Like, I, I absolutely don't think she's going to die at the beginning of the movie like that. Uh, uh, that would be too cruel. But, that that would be so cruel if they did that at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Well, uh, and I, and I the, fully the expect, other big... Uh-huh. I was going to say, I, just, I fully expect most of the scenes we saw in the trailer, like the Battle of Crate, I think that happens at the very, very beginning. I agree. I think they're going to go in more of an Empire Strikes Back feel. Mm-hmm. Where the the big battles right at the beginning, plus some training of uh of Ray on Octu. So like Dagobah. Yeah. So in in and a way, Poe gets frozen in carbonite. Oh jeez. <laughs> well, I was gonna say in a way you're gonna have the Star Wars fans saying, "Oh, they did a copy of Empire again." You know, I, I yeah, but, but we'll see. Hey, let's we can wait until also, the movie comes I, out to make oh claims absolutely, but or not I. I still, I still say, everything that we're talking about, it's a total head fake. I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they just decide, hey, let's shake things up, put the battle in the middle of the movie, let's do a little bit of the training part. Yeah. I, I'd love to see it. I mean, I just totally would love to see. Look, we're suckering you guys. This is what you think is going to happen, but haha, we're pulling the biggest twist on you guys because supposedly there is a big twist in this movie. Yeah, that's what's been out there. I've seen it. Find out. Yeah. 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 The the other big thing that I think is a fake is the the scene at the end with Ray and with like Kylo basically reaching out his hand oh, to yeah. Ray. Total head fake. Yeah, yeah. not 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 Yeah, not happening. I do love I one of my favorite things about the Star Wars fan though is seeing people taking screenshots of that scene and being like, Okay, look, 
the light, the RGB values on Kylo's face are like really? 276, 2330. But Ray's are like yeah. 200, 90, 60. <laughs> Obviously not it. the same. Like either they're really lazy oh. in the editing, which is not going to happen because it's Star Wars. Which is not or true. Or it's totally yeah. a different scene. It's like, yeah, I buy it. <laughs> Or it's different lighting in I the same it. scene, people. I mean, come on. If you've got to get that technical. Uh, no, it's no, a, no. It's I, I fully out. believe There's it. There's no look, way. If, I, I, if you no, look I, in I've the been saying it the whole time. The whole thing is a total fake out. Yeah. Well, especially because if you look at the background um, during that during that shot, Kylo, behind Kylo, it's like, it looks like there's a bunch of fire um, and, and stuff happening. Behind uh, Ray, there's nothing. Yep. Uh, and the lighting, is, as Steven said, is just barely off to the point where I think, remember in the behind the scenes video, there's that shot of, the, of a campfire next to the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's Ray sitting next to a campfire talking to Luke uh, or maybe Chewie or a Porg, but most likely Luke or a Porg. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, but so many other great stuff. So like the space battle. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm so excited for a proper space, space battle. It's great. Actual capital ships oh. that look li- at least like they're firing at each other, which is all I really wanted. We get, we get like a nice big ground battle, big space battle. Um, that's, oh. and it's just so beautifully shot, too. Have you noticed the one thing in this trailer? They did not bring anything up or show anything of can- it's Canto Bite. Is that supposed to be? Canto Bite? Yeah, yeah. They, they showed yeah. N- nothing of that in this trailer. I, I'm wondering, like, it might not be as big of a thing as we thought it was. Well, so here's my we own know that personal. Finn wrote... Sorry, Finn... Sorry, go ahead and finish, William. Uh huh. No. Okay, so yeah, my own personal theory is we see at uh, the beginning of the trailer we see uh, Kylo Ren at the like at some sort of first order factory. And in a, later on in the trailer, we see Phasma and Finn fighting in that factory. And my expectation is Finn and Rose are going to go on a journey to discover where the factory is. Kind of a, I don't know if it's going to be the two of them or with, uh, you know, maybe Poe will go along with them. But is like, you know, as they're searching out where this factory is, it'll take them across, you know, to Canto Bight and to, you know, other planets across the galaxy, I'm sure as well. Kind of like a little planet hopping expedition as they look yeah. for answers. And so I, I think, think that's right. just, that's like I their right. And meanwhile, most of the movie will be on. Yes. And meanwhile, most of the movie with Ray will be on Octu, not Actu, Octu, <laughs> with her training. And then I think certain things might happen that I won't go into because they're more leaks and rumors and not part of a trailer. But yeah, no spoilers. Um, Come on. Yeah. Be cool. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my theory. I agree with you guys. So I'm I'm excited. I I loved the lot of uh, a lot of the other shots around. Like we got to see more of Snoke in this one. Our first shot of Snoke. A lot of Luke being very surprised by Ray and her training. <laughs> surprised, and, horrified. You know, he says like, "Yeah," which is really interesting. You know, he talks about how he hasn't seen this much power before. He's only seen it once before. He wasn't afraid then, and he is now. Um, and th- yeah, that's the look of like shock and horror on his face in some of the scenes is very, very interesting. Yeah. We get a scene of is that Luke coming out of the Jedi Temple from uh, uh, that's been burned down? Well, yeah, because it was a mechanical hand. 
And then he yeah. falls to his knees right next to uh, R2, which kind of plays into, uh, didn't we see something, uh, the callback to that in- uh, We did. Force Awakens. Force Awakens, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think, a, I think it's going to be good. My own, I have another personal theory to this because I'm going to use this opportunity to throw out all my theories. So if I'm right, I get to take credit for it because it was public. Um, <laughs> do you guys- Shush. Uh, <laughs> do you remember- and I'll, I'm ask rhetor- <laughs> it's rhetorical, but I expect you, one of you to answer. Uh, we know Kylo Ren forms or joins the Knights of Ren and uh, slaughters. I, we assume it's the Jedi, but it, we don't actually know for sure. Do you remember what the weather during that sequence looks like? Rainy. Snowy. Yeah. And I remember snow on the in ground. In the scene of the Jedi about temple this is burning. not going to go the way you think? I... I don't think they burned the temple. I wonder if... Do you um, think it's Luke who burns a temple? I actually think it's Rey. Luke accidentally leaves the stove on, burns down the Jedi temple. Rey? Why would Rey... Okay, and, so wait, so wait a minute. I'm going to throw... Rey, I okay, mean, do so. Yeah, please. Do so I'm, I'm still operating under the assumption and the... I'm going to say belief that Rey is, in fact, Luke's daughter. And this just strikes me as, you know, Luke underestimated her potential and maybe she as a child something happens and you know oops like i just burned down the entire jedi temple do you do you guys ever remember a movie called firestarter i think it had drew barrymore in it so basically you're saying something like that i i haven't seen it but drew, sure. drew barrymore drew barrymore supposedly had the power to like if i remember correct to like burn things down so you're basically saying that ray is so powerful at that point that she well, we accidentally in, burned the we even see in the trailer that like when she's practicing her force abilities it's having an unintended physical consequence on the world around her right and we know that luke is afraid of something and i just afraid of his own luke yeah. daughter I, I took that as he was a he trained Kylo. Kylo also had similar power. I I think that's a I think and that's another fake out. I think it's I don't think it's it Kylo. Be. I think it's either Vader hmm. or it's uh or it's Ray. Well, technically Vader didn't Luke never saw Vader's power. I mean, really. At least not as but a younger he, guy. I assume he's referring to force presence or something like that though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Right. My other my other pet theory, because I just feel like getting all these out actually now, is the the moral of <laughs> Kylo the moral of Kylo Ren's story is it is okay to be average. I think we're gonna discover a lot of no, I I think Really uh, Kylo was I think Kylo was training to be a Jedi. He's trying to live up to his heritage, which is Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker leia and han solo which is Mm -hmm. you know a lot to live up to Uh and he's finding that he's not as powerful he he thinks he is and he's struggling and as a you know Uh as a teenager it's tough to not be who you think you should be and here comes snoke being like you know what you really are that powerful totally yeah just you know let me help you so and i think the movie is going to be basically go ahead no, go ahead and finish. I'm done pontificating no, now. No, no, I'm I'm done pontificating. Okay. We no, can but, so move okay. on. So, so, 
so basically, because we need to move on because we have to get to Ph- uh, Phasma. But so basically what you're saying is when Snoke says that line, when I found you, you were whatever to make you th- that Snoke line. You're saying that you that like was a total fake special. out. Yeah, something special mm. that basically I, is trying to to make make um, Kylo better than who he really is. And that's another fake out because really Kylo Ren is an average, but Snoke used him just to use him to get to Luke. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we talk I about that. like what is what is your fatal character flaw? Anakin was uh, impatience and kind of this this pride. Um, and I think Kylo Ren's is, he doesn't know himself. He's just average? Like, he He's average and he thinks yeah. he's supposed to be more. And when he's not, he get like, you know, he gets frustrated and starts killing people. Which would explain the temper tantrums. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, yeah. and the kind of obsession with Vader, like, uh, you okay. think about that that type of heritage. Can you imagine trying to live up to that? The pressure. Yeah. 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 Anyway, well, those we are my will theories. See in December. We'll find out. Yeah, just a few months. Yeah. I I can't wait. Also, one last thing. I don't think Luke's comment "This will not go the way you think" is directed at at Ray at all. I think it's directed at someone else. I think it's directed at Leia because I think that I think it's directed at Kylo. No, I, I think it. I think it's he put that out. I think that was the comment I was saying earlier that he put that out with the Carrie Fisher. Uh, it's not what you think. I think he put it out right after that of her, and then Kylo, and it's like it's not what you think. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, but well, I. I- I, I was going to get us into somebody went to New York City Comic Con, not to get us away from the trailer. but I did, yeah. So we went to New York Comic Con to cover the, um, Lucky. The, 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 the some of the panels. This is my second year in a row going there, and it was a lot of fun. Um, always great to see all of our friends out there. And uh, Riley and I uh, interviewed uh, went and interviewed the the guys at the Sphero booth um, at the creators of, of BB-8. So check that out over on the Star Wars Report. And then we also interviewed um, Ashley Eckstein as well. Oh, that's cool. Is, oh, that's uh, cool. A lot of fun. She talked about a lot of the stuff she's been doing. So check out those two video interviews up on the Star Wars Report. Um, but they also had um, two other two Star Wars book panels this year. Um, two book panels. The the first one, yes. So wow. the, the first one was um, uh, the Star Wars publishing panel, and we had a huge, huge lineup of uh, of authors on stage talking about all of their books, um, which is really cool. Uh, let's see. We had uh, Christian Blavelt, Ben Blacker, Benjamin Acker. Delilah Dawson, Jason Fry, Claudia Gray, John Jackson Miller, Daniel Jose Older, Kevin Scott, Charles Sewell, Elizabeth Wine, and Timothy Zahn all on the panel. And uh, they they kind of just talked about some of their, their recent stories. Delilah Dawson talked about Phasma, which we'll be reviewing in a few minutes. Um, uh, you know, Jason Fr- Fry talked about some of his upcoming his upcoming novelization uh, for The Last Jedi. Uh, and a few of them talked about from a certain point of view as well, which, uh, which kind of dovetailed into the, the panel the next day. Um, nothing like huge. Well, there was, sorry, well, two, well, there was one thing. Yeah, huge I was going to say there was one, uh, 
the rest of it was fairly low key, but it's always nice to just, you know, hear from all the authors. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. But the big one, the big one is that Timothy Zahn is back. He's writing another Star Wars book all about Thrawn. Yay. The Thrawn sequel called Star Wars Thrawn Alliances did coming conf- next summer. Did they explicitly and, confirm it's a sequel? Sorry? Did they confirm it's a sequel it, in the did. story sense or uh, sequel in that it's a second book? They never said that. Okay. That's a very good point. Okay. Because, but so um, isn't this the only reason? Oh, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. So the only reason I want to, I have been asking this question of anyone who mentions it, is that uh, the one, the tidbit that I heard was that this is going to deal with Star uh, Thrawn and Darth Vader together, and we know from the first Thrawn book, yes, that well, Thrawn that is exactly is Thrawn is aware of Vader, and uh, it sounded like. Uh, knew his original identity. And so I wonder if they're kind of being a little bit sneaky and saying that by its Thrawn and Vader, is this going to be, excuse me, is this going to be the story of how Thrawn knows or is aware of Anakin Skywalker, not Darth Vader? Or, you know, some, essentially not necessarily a sequel to the previous You could very well be right. And I I think it's probably meant to be taken either way because obviously Thrawn's going to be Featured heavily in season four of Rebels, and we don't really know what his fate is. Nope. Yeah. Nope. But looking forward it's to true. it. true. And yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I can't I can't wait. And I was almost going to say that this would probably be within the new canon, which I am wrong, like the first sequel book to a character, but you have to take into account the um one by um oh the the trilogy book that came out, uh, Empire's Aftermath. End. So those were the sequels. Well, this is aftermath. I, sorry, thank this you. This is the, um, the this is the first time we've had a sequel book to one of our. I'm going to call them one of the character study novels. Right there, you go. That's, that's true. That's what I was looking at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and but but so it, they did call it a Thrawn sequel, but they were not clear. I was just reading back through my notes. They were not clear about whether it was like, oh, hey, it's another book or it's. It literally takes place afterward. I interpret it as taking place afterward, but I mean, I, I'm hoping you never know. We but it does the, have a lot more. Vader I don't remember the name of the uh, the younger character in the book, the lieutenant. Uh, but oh, obviously, shoot. finding That's... out more about his story, I'm very interested in. But if it's a prequel novel, that's less likely to happen. So I don't know. Well, it. I'm very curious. I'm and I'm very yeah. excited. I mean, I liked I liked Van, Eli Vanto too. So, thank you. Ho- hopefully, we'll thing. get. I think it's a sequel. I think it is a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we are getting a sequel to Thrawn, which is we are we very are. Cool. That's what matters. I'm very excited about that. And they did talk about they did talk about some of the other books that are coming up too, including Cobalt Squadron by Elizabeth Wayne, which sounds great. Um, I think you know if you if you love your 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 Starfighter squadrons, it sounds so much fun. Um, I mean, you know, that and obviously Star Wars Canto Bite. Yes, I I know you I know you do. I think you're gonna love that book. Uh, there's also Star Wars uh, Canto Bite, um, and and then uh, you know the obviously they talked about Phasma, which just came out recently. Christian Blavelt had a Star Wars Made Easy book. 
Um, and Ben Acker recently uh, wrote Storms of Crate for Marvel, which will be coming out um, in December, I think, right after Christmas, I think. Um, the the comic uh, set on crate, uh, so lots of, lots of good stuff at the the Star Wars publishing panel, um, and then the next day we they had the from a certain point of view panel, and this one was over at the Hudson Mercantile, and uh, they uh, they actually gave everyone who who who, w- who attended the panel actually to buy tickets, and everyone who went got a copy of uh, from a certain point of view. Oh, cool! Uh, with a special cover and stuff, which was which was a lot of fun. And that one, like, they had 19 authors on this panel. It was enormous. Uh, and so they had so many authors, they actually brought them out in three waves. Um, Authors focusing on, uh, you know, the Empire. Authors focusing on, um, you know, like the, the Tatooine scenes and, uh and and, you know kind of some uh like the cantina uh group and stuff and yeah it was it was it was i i really enjoyed it and it's kind of fun to to hear them talk about some of their books like you know some of the authors collaborated to make their stories fit together like you know um and this was their words the the stories about the quote move along guy and the you know head bump guy uh they they coordinated those so it would actually be the same character um uh, so oh, we actually, you know, the guy who says move along, move along is the one who bumps his head on the Death Star later on. Uh, and they were able to kind of merge did, these together. By the way, um, so I'm still actually in the middle of reading. Did they uh-huh. clarify if that book is canon or still kind of up in the air? Uh, it sounds like it's canon adjacent. Um, really? Well, some, sorry. It sounds, and I, I didn't get, I was trying to get an official confirmation. I haven't yet. It sounds like some of the stories are canon and some of the stories are canon adjacent. You'll know which ones are canon adjacent. Okay. Oh, so the flea one uh, probably is canon adjacent, right? Haven't gotten that far yet. I have not gotten that far. <laughs> so the flea one. So I, I, I've heard supposedly there is a flea that was supposed to be on the rancor in Jabba's. Oh, that's that's in uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker coming out. At the oh, end of the month. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mistook that. I thought that was going to be part of this. <laughs> no problem. No I'm problem. so sorry about that because when I heard that about these flea things, I'm like, okay, I thought it was part of this yeah. book. I apologize. No, no. I'm I and, and I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to reviewing this because I think there are some really fun stories in here that I can't wait to talk to you guys about. Um, a couple fun tidbits though. Daniel Jose Older actually read his own short story in the audiobook version, uh, which is kind of oh, cool. cool. Uh, I actually saw him his, at a panel, story. Uh, uh, and they they brought in a lot of year. different voice actors. Oh really? Yeah, nice. I went to a. Book uh, yeah, thing he, in... he seemed. Uh... Okay. Very cool. Oh, I remember. You, I remember you going to that. Nice. Nice. Yeah, he was he was cool. We actually ended up riding in the um the uh, the elevator with him, getting up into the into the room, uh for the panel. Uh, really nice guy. Um, uh, he he was telling a funny story though. But when they were recording, um, when they were recording the the book, uh, at one point the producer made a joke about how the author must hate commas, um. Not knowing that the author himself was the one reading the the story. Wow! <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." He he really does hate those, uh, which is great. Um, Pablo Hidalgo 
who also wrote a short story in the book, uh, revealed that he actually is the one who does the temp track for Tarkin when they record Star Wars Rebels. Oh, very cool. Which is, a, I mean, nothing, nothing huge, but it's kind of a fun little uh, tidbit uh, behind the scenes. Um, and uh, I mean, there, there's a lot, a lot of little great details. Uh, all of that I went ahead and uh, all that I, t- I tweeted about. So just search for, uh, you know, NYCC uh, and, and you'll see my my coverage uh, of it. Um, but a lot, a lot of little good tidbits here and there. Sometimes the authors work together. Sometimes they didn't. Uh, and so that was, that was an interesting piece. My one downside is there's a couple stories that kind of contradicted each other, but we'll get into that in our, in our full review. Um, I don't want to dive too much. Some of the, some of the tidbits we learned about the book are a little bit spoilery. Uh, so we'll save those for, uh, we'll save those for our full review. Uh, the one last thing though, that I absolutely loved narrator, Mark Thompson was there as well. And he uh, he read an excerpt from "There Is Another" uh, live, and you know he was jumping back and forth between the voices and everything, and that one was really really cool to see, really cool. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, go check out all the coverage and from a from a certain point of view. Uh, a couple shout outs, obviously, it's always great seeing all of our our friends uh, there. Um, you know, we also, it was, it was great to see Vanessa Marshall and Ashley Eckstein and E.K. Johnson spent a lot of time with, with them. And, uh, you know, we had our usual Blue Milk meetup as well, uh, which is which is great. So hopefully you guys can join next year. I, I want it. I, I'm trying to put my money together for celebration whenever that is. Yeah, it was, uh, well, who, who knows? Yeah, who knows when that's going to well, be. Well, you're hoping that some point next year, they have to make an announcement. Really, yeah. really hoping for it. They've got to. Yeah. Got to. The, the thing I love about near Comic Con is just being able to go and there's not as much big news necessarily. They'll have they'll have some bits and pieces like the Thrawn book, which is really exciting. But it's not like nothing major and you know earth shattering. But I just love it because we get to you know kind of you, you get to spend more time. It's a smaller group there, so you get to spend time with the other fans, uh, all, all of our friends in the in the community. You get to spend time with Del Rey and you know the different uh, authors and some of the actors show up too. And it's it's a smaller uh, group at New York Comic Con, and it's always fun to see mm-hmm. uh, see everyone there. So that's cool. Uh, obviously, I can't name list everyone we got to see, um, but it, it was it was great seeing all of you if you're listening. So well, that's cool. Uh, yeah, sounds so like you had a good with time that, with it. We did, we did. Actually, we um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, it, it was marred slightly by the fact that uh, we are our the the hotel room I was staying in was burglarized. I heard um, uh, over the on one of the evenings, um, but you know what? Nothing important was was stolen. Uh, I got mean, computers and stuff, but nothing irreplaceable, and it didn't it didn't ruin the trip. Uh, it was still a great time. So. At least you guys were safe. The only thing that was taken was a couple laptops, and you still had a good time and got home exactly. in one piece. So there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So you know the that's that's what's most important. So. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, with that, I think it's time for us to delve into Phasma. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, uh, uh, you know what? This is a pretty big episode rundown and synopsis so uh steven you and i want to split this i'll take like 
the first paragraph, second paragraph, you want to do the third for the synopsis? Sure, why not? We can just do the, the short, a shorter. Okay. Or what would be the shorter part of that? So I, I here, basically, I, here, I think, you know what? I, I can. We're all pretty familiar you mind if I with this, do this point. Synopsis? This is. Take us away, Stephen. Go ahead, Stephen. Okay. You guys are so, seeing how the sausage is made right now. This is you're gonna. You'll appreciate this, I think. So obviously, we're talking about Phasma. It was written it. by Delia S. Dawson, who I believe this was her first Star Wars novel. Though she's also now written uh, in a certain point of view. And maybe one or two others. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the synopsis is: she Star wrote Wars the, meets uh, Mad Max. The short story. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that, that was all you know got. what? Done. That's the best way to put it. Well, but you know what? It, it, at least, at least the first paragraph, because That's, you know, on okay. top of Star Wars meets Bat, Mad Max, you know, it's. <laughs> It's 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 one of the most cunning uh, and merciless officers of the first order, uh, first order, Captain Phasma. You know she commands the favor of her superiors, the respect of the peers, and the terror of her enemies. But for all of her renown, Phasma remained a virtual unknown as the impressive expression of her gleaming chrome. Oh, impassive, sorry, expression on her gleaming chrome helmet. Now in it. Uh, an adver- uh, now an adversary is bent on unearthing her mysterious origin and exposing a secret she guards as zealously and ruthlessly as she serves her masters. Uh, I think that's probably as best as we can go because that kind of summarizes that's, the book, don't you think? Because the rest good. of it gets into the actual book. Yeah. Yeah, so. Okay. And actually, just um, so we credit where credit is due. Out. Sorry, before, before we jump in. Uh, one of the things Delias Dawson tweeted about uh, as far as the book, you know, what her writing process was like. She mentioned uh, the soundtrack she used to write to was the Star Wars theme and Mad Max and nothing else. And it definitely comes through in the novel as well. (laughs) Interesting. It is very, very evident. So, I mean, in my mind, when I imagined like, what would a Phasma book be? um, I kind of imagined it was like, Basically, Phasma being somehow meeting the well, the, the yes, somehow meeting like obviously getting a little yeah. bit of a, her backstory. Like, what was her like, bef- her life like before being found by the First Order? Then she gets found by the First Order somehow. Um, she gets recruited, rises through the ranks, and then, um, uh, and then ev- the the book ends with her as Captain Phasma. That is not at all like what this like at a high level yes but like 95 percent, 98 percent of the book was on her life before slash getting found and only like two percent of the book one percent of the book is her life after and rise to the ranks I, I was trying to figure out the best way to like describe how i felt about this book and what i finally came up with just before this podcast began is imagine but we're pre-episode seven before the movies come out. We don't know anything about it. Only, you know, what we are hoping for in our dreams and so on. And then they announce the title, Star Wars Episode 7, Luke. And then we got the movie we actually got. That's about how I felt about Brown Phasma. It's like, you're, the book is called Phasma. And yes, mm-hmm. it is about Phasma. But that's about all I feel comfortable I mean, to be fair, yeah, they, it, it wasn't like, called Captain Phasma. It was just Phasma. Uh, and, and 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 it's not that I didn't no, enjoy I mean, like, the book. It, I was I, I'm just to get in Phasma's yeah. Is what how I think about it. That's true. 
And obviously that well, is because not like, something that happened. Actually, the, the biggest and most arguably bigger than the fact that it was mostly just spent on her life on um uh you know on the on the planet is uh the fact that we actually never got inside her head at all not once in the book uh the story is yep. is is told it's like a story of a story right which is fascinating so there's there's um this resistance officer named Vi uh and she tells retells the story so she's been captured by um by phasma's uh yeah you biggest could say rival, nemesis or right? or they're, they're yeah there you uh, go yeah well okay yeah no that's that's a fair word i was gonna say her yeah. uh yes like her equal. yeah they're they're their peers they're equals they're okay that's better they are the okay. cardinal Peer, and phasma the are yeah. the two and cardinal's the guy in the red in the back of the book he and, and phasma are the two in charge of training everyone in the first order? Everyone. Um, and uh, so you know he uh, Cardinal's in charge of training people. I think from there when they they're young uh, up until a certain age, and then Phasma takes over, uh, and the two of them kind of tag team and, and and are the the guys in charge of training everyone. Um. And this story kind of tells about how why why Cardinal doesn't like Phasma and, and why he she kind of like was encroaching on his territory, um, and so Cardinal captures Vi and tortures her, and Vi basically retells the story that she heard from Siv, uh, who um, who grew up with Phasma, uh, and so. Siv is basically watching Phasma, fat watching Phasma's life, right? And then she tells Vi, who tells Cardinal, and that's the story. It's all flashbacks of Vi telling Cardinal. Well, and there's as there's a little bit of a modern story where Cardinal is, you know, for reasons that we'll discuss has come to believe that phasma is bad for the first order which is and so he's interrogating vi to discover what it is about phasma that is like kind of reinforce his belief and then he looks to challenge her as well uh once he discovers the truth right well not just there's a little bit of a modern story but he, he not he doesn't want to challenge her he wants to basically um destroy her in the eyes of the first order because if i took the character Cardinal correctly, he was basically the, by the rules, first order officer, by the rules. Phasma is the one to where if you, yes, she's by the rules, but she extends it a little bit. And at any point during that period where she extends it, she could actually turn on the first order because this book to show her, does show her turning on everybody at some point in the book. She turns on her own clan. She turns on the um, uh, a ri- the, the original clan she grew up with because she set them up with the clan that she ended up being part of for the majority of the story. Yeah. <sighs> I and then Cardinals worry about worried about her turning on the first order at a certain point because it's at the benefit of Phasma at a certain point to turn on mm-hmm. whoever it is so she can survive. I think my. The biggest issue I felt like with the book is this very much felt like they created Phasma for The Force Awakens, but didn't really have any backstory in mind for her. 
And this book feels like an attempt to go and uh, write some backstory in and give Phasma some, you know, some more depth while still trying to match what appears in the movie. And so it, it ends it, it ends, it brings around some weirdness. So for example, what you were just describing feels like, oh, why does Phasma turn over the codes to the shield on the base so quickly? Oh, it's because Phasma obviously doesn't care about anything. She's only out for herself. And the first order right. is just, you know, a step in that convenience. Oh, well, yep. why if Phasma comes from this like primitive back like planet, why does she have like the clipped British accent? Oh, it's because uh, Phasma impersonates Hux's accent as soon as he meets her. Like a lot of those things start to feel very, I almost want to say fake to me or like mm-hmm. uh, contrived, mm-hmm. which was, I think the biggest thing that felt off around the book to me is it just, it's such a weird way to give backstory. Yeah. Well, I think that the thing that, that bothered me and I, and I got, we'll, we did enjoy the book as well. Don't get me wrong. So we'll, we'll get into that. We'll oh, get yeah. into that too. I, no, We're no, just talking it, about some of the, the bigger issues up front. Um, one of the things I found that I think bothered me the most is that the story was basically Phasma is awesome. She is perfect. Uh, she has no real character growth because she starts off being amazing and she continues being amazing. And as soon as she runs into uh, Hux, she immediately picks up his accent and it, she's now basically sounds like an Imperial. And then she joins the Imperials and then immediately is placed in a position of power after having just been picked up off this back world planet and is now training all the first order troops. And in less than a year, yeah, in less than, and a, in year. Less than a year, she manages to be the equal of Cardinal, the trainer, the person responsible for all the entire right. army. It, it just seemed too easy. Like the journey getting off of the planet was tough. Right. But right. her, yeah. but her rise in the yes. first order was too easy. I were, I don't even know if I would say it's too easy. It just felt like it, they didn't they didn't show any of yes. it. And it's this is one of those issues where partly I think it's because we we are they're saving obviously a lot of stuff for, you know, until the last Jedi, until this probably until this trilogy is actually over. But like at this point in time, we have no idea how large the first order is. If it's only, you know, I'm going to say like an army of a thousand or something like that, then you know what, maybe a year is not actually that that crazy of a time frame but if we're talking about a massive army like yeah that feels a little fast that's, a, that's an excellent point and i think the, that, that dovetails nicely into the other piece which i didn't mind as a storytelling device but it, it is becoming a bit more common i would say especially with like uh luke uh the legends of luke skywalker and that is that they are very worried about uh, having the, the, they want to put books out, but they don't want the films to contradict the books. And instead of, and it's yeah, very instead of coming up with yeah. a story, like working it out with a story group or whatever, and deciding, okay, here is the backstory, and the future filmmakers will not change this. They're trying to leave it open, and Phasma is such a big character in the, in the movies that. Mm. Um, Basically, they decided, uh, you know, that okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna tell a story of a story of a story, and then we can use the unreliable narrator excuse, right? Uh, because, right. And, and even at the end of the book, uh, Vi even admits to the reader or 
basically flat out says, yep, what Phasma's backstory is, is actually not necessarily what happened. Not only did Vi embellish it, but it's possible she got details wrong, or Sid got details wrong, or Sid interpreted Phasma's actions differently because she's not in Phasma's head. And right. that, so normally I'd agree that would kind of bother me. In this case, though, the way I took that is the specific events that occurred are the ones they're kind of referring to. And so in particular, I think the pro- like the problematic ones are like, oh, Phasma like fights 30 people and comes out alive. Those feel like, okay, th- like those don't really bother me as far as right. embellishment goes. Uh, but the core story, I feel like, which is Phasma comes from a planet called Parnassos. She was a primitive and she met Hux and escaped. And I mean, this kind of gets back to what you were saying, William, where they don't want to touch anything too critical. That backstory really doesn't matter anymore because they never touch what happens with Phasma once she's part of the First Order. Like, there's really no... I don't think there's any reason they're going to ever need to revisit her backstory or... That's true. Yeah. Like, it's just not relevant anymore. Right. Okay, but to... But by making it this... It didn't necessarily bother me. I want to be clear. It's not like I I disliked it. It was just very... It was very obvious that that's what they were doing. Um, making it a story of a story of a story. And, and we only got into Phasma, you know, we only got really into Phasma's head in one very brief scene where she returned to Parnassus to strip the off her armor. And that scene, it wasn't in first person, uh, but it was the only time we saw some events from her perspective. The rest of the book was other people telling us what she was thinking or seeing, which is okay. Okay, but to but, a certain... But to a certain extent, at the end of the book, they did kind of set up a sequel because Cardinal and Vi, I believe, are heading back to to uh, the planet Prosnosis to to get to rescue Sev. And by way of the storytelling, it reminds me of a movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it called The Usual Suspects, in which Kevin Spacey, for the whole movie, basically tells a story about quote unquote who is Kaiser Cersei. And as you're watching the movie, it is so engrossing until you get to the end. And I'm not going to give it away, but then you realize that it was all made up. Well, and it, and, and to, to an extent when I'm reading this, when I'm reading this story, I'm not saying that the story was quote unquote made up because there were the facts that Vi, yes, some of them could have been embellished because because Sev um, kind of embellished some things like like we mentioned. She, you know, Phasma battled 30 people. It may have only been 10, but fighting stuff like that could have been embellished. So let me, let me ask a related question. Since Tom, you brought up, you know, we we'll get again, I guess well, we'll get to let's do it now. So obviously the story is okay. told through Siv's perspective. Everyone right. in the story story dies except for Siv mm-hmm. and Phasma and Hux. Right. Um well, and no, Siv, no, one Hux well, did die. Sorry. I'm, well, I mean, sorry. I mean, as far as people who got off of Parnassos. Okay, uh, there you go. Okay. D- uh, and the book sets up this idea that Cardinal survives, Vi survives, and they're on their way to pick up Siv from the planet. Right. Do you think we'll ever actually see that story or see any of these characters again? Potentially. I mean, I think, I think, I, I think would Vi so. and I mean, Siv I, and I, Cardinal are... They're not in the films, and so if they want to do a sequel about them, no. they could. No, I, so they could. 
My question, my comment is more: Do you think they will? And I don't. How well, as phasma cells, I would. But uh, I think also, I, I think also, I think also, it depends on how what happens to phasma in episode eight. We've we've kind of established that they're dancing around phasma in in the theoretical sense. They're dancing around Phasma right now to where they could technically play with her backstory a little bit because this is the story of a story of a story, okay? And it was embellished. So we don't know if it's told this way because until episode eight happens, if she goes into episode nine, then you could say, okay, I could see another book coming out. But if somehow she doesn't go into episode nine, then... Do we need to have another book? But toward the end of the book, I ended up liking the character Cardinal. I would like to see something come out of this. But oh, I they absolutely definitely would as well. set this up. Yeah, they definitely, definitely set up a story at the end of this book. If we get it, that's a big question mark. Right. That's true. So well let let's let's go dive into the into the book itself and, and go to the very beginning. What did you think of um, Phasma's backstory? So she, she, she grows up in the Skyre, right? Or Sire, um, as the Skyre, and uh, very, very primitive. And they end up fighting against this other group called the Claw, led by a Doug. And um, y- you're right; it's 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 you, it's very obvious she was listening to the Mad Max soundtrack because it's when she wrote it because it does feel like mad max in star wars it's mm-hmm. it's very interesting in that it's i guess let me ask you guys actually so she describes a the skyer as the, you know the civilization of like i don't know i'm gonna say less than 100 people probably who basically live in a a cave that gets flooded occasionally and you know they scavenge for food did that actually sound like something that I guess is possible to you? It it felt very almost like I don't want to say two dimensional. It felt like a description of a lifestyle that doesn't actually work. How, how so? Well. Like that doesn't exist almost. I just it just like I had trouble imagining like so they like they've got less I'll say a hundred people and they're like the they're collecting rainwater from the ceiling and they're like the food they get is just like whatever happens to wash up on the rocks below. Like that doesn't, I never got like, obviously they talk a lot about how the people always go hungry and are thirsty and so on. But it just, it felt like a, it mm. felt like it wasn't I possible. Didn't, that didn't bother me at all. Or just the, like, at least on the edge of the, uh, no, I, I interpret it as I, not even a hundred. I, I interpret it as like a group of, I don't know, 20, 30 people. So it's really tiny. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and and they were just able to scrape, okay, and that would, and maybe I just read it as more there being more people than there actually are. <laughs> oh, it's possible. I mean, the only thing that I got of it when it come when it came to the clan, that it was mainly run by the the younger set of the clan, and the older ones were the ones that um, weren't warrior enough and 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 healthy enough to actually help. Because if I understand. There was only one child mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, they they right. Uh, uh, right. There yeah. was only the one child. They, all the other children have always died, but one managed to survive. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, yeah. Was a, I, it, it was a very bleak world. And I mean, we later discover that this was a planet that had essentially a nuclear meltdown uh, and basically became a giant pile of nuclear waste. <laughs> yeah. And different clans all over the place. Cause even like it was like the, the plan had a nuclear meltdown, but like each, Oh God, what was it? The one clan they ended up uh, coming across they the created fabric thing. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that basically, I mean, it was almost like it was a mining colony and this, this whole corporation had the planet and each one had these cities and the one city that they ended up getting into, they were very elaborately dressed because their city, quote unquote, just built, made fabric. Yeah. Which was, which is also very, Yeah. Oh. Yeah, basically, there were like the people who were very well off, and I guess actually that that was one thought one one thing I thought was kind of interesting. There was the the planet was basically abandoned, and it was like so, something had happened to the planet, right? We find out later it was yeah it was basically yeah like a nuclear uh, explosion, and um they uh, so there there's a city that was set up to build to create clothing. And there are these droids that would come and bring them supplies if they were working. And if they don't work, they basically starve. Um, and uh, and it, the city continues to function, but there's nobody around to get the clothes and consume it and stuff. Yeah, that was the first that was the first city because I was the first city that because we were kind of jumping all over the place. But remember, it was uh, Hux crash landed on the planet with right. three stormtroopers and when right. they left when they left the sky that was the first right they went to the first facility they came across yeah and that was an abandoned right. mine that was with the first crazy facility. droids that were still in operation and yeah. they end up having to um try to uh, uh they end up having to escape uh, the Terpsichore, and that's when they run into the, the city with all the clothing but all these cities are still like operating by themselves either solely based on droids or droids with you know all these you know people who are manufacturing stuff it's a very bleak bleak world it's desert everywhere nothing nothing grows um very depressing you know well not just ble- not just bleak in that not just bleak in that respect but it was also the, those yeah. crazy little beetles that I remember from oh, the book because that was any well, almost that, horrifying. <laughs> that was horrifying, but but it's it's one of those things where I always said if you call yeah. attention to something, it better pay off in the end. Well, it, it actually paid off in the end. But in, any kind of moisture, these beetles would come out of nowhere. And the thing that was horrifying about this was to be mm-hmm. bit by one of those. And and it seemed like that it's it's let's quote unquote say poison. I know we're jumping all over the place, but it's poison was. You would end up just becoming water. It it just always it, anytime that, like that, that type of thing gets described. Do you, do you remember in the first X Men movie? There's the senator who gets turned into a mutant. Uh, I don't. I didn't watch the first X. Oh, I'm not an so X-Men okay. Guy. Very briefly. So there's in the first X Men movie, Magneto's whole plot is he's going to turn the re- all these normal people into mutants, and then they'll see what it's like. Right. Um, and so he tests out his technology on a senator. And so the senator, you know, you know, he something happens and then he escapes and he doesn't really understand what's happening. Like he pushes through like these metal bars uh, and like squeezes his body through. 
And by the time the X-Men find him, uh, he's like turning to water. And so you actually like watch on screen as he is like, not disintegrated. That's not the right word, but like he starts to turn translucent until he just collapses into a giant splash of water. Basically Uh, exactly what happens when these little beetles, uh, you know, prick you. But it takes time. That's the, that's the crazy thing about it. That it, it's just that. Yeah, that was creepy. Honestly, that was definitely that was creepy. Well, I have to. What was creepier? The 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 crazy little beetles uh, that would come out of the sand uh, as soon as they smelled you know blood, or was it the detractors? I don't even know what uh, to the make tra- of those things. Yeah, I don't get that either. It's it's what it's what's. Sev would put on somebody after they die to pull whatever nutrients and whatever out of their body, and they would use it for like a body paint. Yeah, they basically like took all the moisture out of the body, like sucked them dry. Yeah. Well, it's not just moisture, but it's also vital elements. That's true. Yeah, and then basically make a paste and then put it on themselves to protect them and help them live. It's ugh, disgusting. Yeah. It was creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very creepy. I think the Beatles. I think the Beatle would be creepier. The Beatles, I find of, far more horrifying, personally. Yeah, because because the the death, the the yeah. death is just creepy. That's just that yeah. was just weird. Well, the, I actually I liked the, some of the framing they put around the detractors. You know, this kind of like, well, you know, when we die, we we give something back to the clan because it's part of what keeps people from being sick. Like that part, you know, in a it's one of those things in a weird sort of post-apocalyptic world. It it kind of makes sense. Whereas, Whereas the Beatles yeah. are just horrible. I mean, it was just it was. <laughs> oh, and it was yeah. just like just yeah, how exactly. upset yeah. Siv would get when she couldn't use the detractors on someone. It was like, you know, she. It was like she had failed them almost. You know. Yeah. Because it's all, yeah. it's almost as if they use the the detract the detractor to bury them basically keep that person going forward to take the essence of that person and put it together to where that person could almost in a way yeah. continue to protecting the tribe. If yeah. you look at it that way. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, so it was like the, the, the first what 75% at least of the book is their trek through the desert. So, so I think it's, I think yeah, it's more than that yeah. actually. I think you're yeah, right. Maybe I would think it's more than that like, to, for them Hux, to try and get off the planet. You know, if I were to summarize it, you know, quickly, Brendel Hux crashes on the planet. And, and by the way, I really enjoyed getting, you know, a bit more details about uh, Brendel Hux. And because we know Armitage, his son Armitage Hux is in The Force Awakens. Um, but we don't really know whatever happened to Brendel. When we see Brendel in, uh, well, we saw him in, what is it called? I'm blanking uh, on the name. Uh, yes, Empire's we Act. did. The yeah, we didn't find out what happened to him. Okay. In between, why did he disappear? No, all we know is yeah, all we know is that he disappears with the you know out to the unknown regions, presumably. Right. And boy, did he disappear! That, that's true. That is true. <laughs> if you look at it that he, way, so his, his shuttle basically crash lands on Parnassus, and uh, um, Phasma sees this happen, and she uh, she decides she wants to go out after the ship. Uh, and her brother, meanwhile, refuses to, and so we find out that she actually. Oh, now sorry, I read this like a month and a half ago, so I'm trying to remember exactly. W- did she stab her brother 
she stabbed her brother in the shin. Was that yes. to stop him from? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So she, he, she doesn't stab him. She. Oh, uh, right. Cuts yeah. yeah. She does it. Yeah. No, she. She cuts yeah, it off so she, that he can't essentially resist, uh, you know, this invasion by the sky or into their, you know, little family. Which is crazy. And then on top of that, which is absolutely crazy. And then, you know, you know, uh, what was the brother's name? I'm actually blanking. Kelso. Keldo. Was it Kelso? Yeah. Keldo. I was close. Kelso is the doctor from <laughs> Um <laughs> Close enough. But yeah, like, and he wakes up and it, you know, he remarks that like, and it was like, my sister was on the other side already. Like if I hadn't, you know, joined, like she would have been perfectly right. happy to kill me. Just crazy. Yeah. She killed her and, family. And, and so she sets off on this journey with Siv and, you know, I think two others, right? Um, uh, Torben. Oh. Torben. Oh, well, there's a couple more and I think they die early on kind of yeah. cannon fodder, but well, they, yeah, they die because, I think at the first facility they had with the droids, they ended up getting um, um, a transportation from that to get them technically to the next right. place they were going to go to. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because, yeah, they ended up getting transportation there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, they, you know, they get to the they get to the Terpsichor. Uh, they get captured. They escape. Then they uh, head from the Terpsichor and end up in... Um, uh, Aratu, which is the uh, the the clothing city, That's uh, right and Phasma eventually. Uh-huh. Actually, before I was say, before we get too much farther, I want to talk about one of the other things that the book did that I really really liked is they did a really interesting dive into what it means to be a first order mm. soldier. Because with Brenda Hux, there are three stormtroopers. Yes. Throughout the novel, they're, you know, they're only referred to by their number, you know, just like Finn is and the rest of them. And the interesting part is, you know, Siv obviously doesn't really like that's weird to have someone only be a number. And so she's consistently, you know, referring to them as uh, like, oh, you're like your number is there was like one that's like EL. So that became Ellie or something like that. And, uh, you know. Hux doesn't like that, obviously. And, he, you know, Savian mentions like, oh, it's like, you know, I can tell them apart when their helmets go off, like when they're in the, you know, the crazy droid place. But the moment like the helmets go on and their identity disappears. And it was just mm-hmm. a, a really cool way of just talking about like, what is it? Why the First Order and the Empire before it and kind of, you know, use stormtroopers the way they do is because you get this, you know, really cool kind of faceless, faceless yeah. effect, really. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that, you know, those pieces, getting to learn more about them and how, you know, Phasma and the others actually give, not Phasma, the others give actually give names to the troopers behind Brendel's back. Um, and, and, and so, so yes, yeah, eventually they, they kill the leader of Aratu, also named Aratu. Um, and there, there was that whole scene where, like again, the people were so hungry. They were they were in the the like the the the, the rooms with the bunks, and uh, one oh, yeah, yeah one of the soldiers gets hurt, gets hurt, and uh. they leave the stormtrooper sitting there. He's like dying, and when they come back, he's gone, and just his armor's there, and they've clearly eaten him. It's like oh, disgusting. Um, yeah, but they eventually. 
she eventually kills the leader of Aratu and takes over, which almost seemed too easy. Um, It's the nature of the book made a lot of the challenges they face seem they were over very quickly and resolved very quickly. Uh, I had the same feeling like when they were in the like the the droid mining place, like, oh, man, this is. This is crazy. Like, how are they going to, like, defeat an army of droids? And Brendel's like, oh, I turned them off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was like, oh, and that was, okay. That was, actually, that was actually creepy because, uh, first off, I, I got the name of the uh, the First Order Stormtroopers because I have it right here. Yep. Um, okay, so one of them was PT-2445. So he was called PT. Yep. The other one was LE-2003, okay. which that was Ellie. And then the last one was... HU0518, which they called Huff. So they ended up giving, and I think one of them was a female with two males, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. I think that was Ellie was a female. And the thing that was, if I remember correct from the droid thing, it had almost a religious tone. Yeah, it oh, felt very. like there was a religious tone to it because it was Sev that felt sad that here this what here there was a race that was so bent on getting something done and so so had a purpose. To all of a sudden be shut down and just be standing there for the rest of their life. Yeah. Not doing anything. Which is, yeah. Interesting I mean, way to it look was, at it. it. Yeah. It's just, this was, this was a book that is like, you would almost say it was all, all over the place in some ways by how it, it wove the tale. Which you can say was just like Mad Max. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the yeah. biggest. Like, if you liked Mad Max, you'll love this book. I think if you weren't as big of a Mad Max fan, you. Uh, here well, that, and I mean, I saw I'll, it. I'm not going to say it was I, bad. Well, I'll add as well. Mad Max, like one of the reasons people loved it is because of the, like, right. you know, the cinematography and the uh, the aesthetic of it, which does right. not come no, through in the no, novel no. at all. The no. Um, no. There's a little bit of like, oh, they get in some vehicles and they're going across, you know, a, a desert and they talk a lot about sand. But oh, hey, that one was sand. a little bit too far. <laughs> there was the sand, direct sand reference from Tech the Clones. I think there was, wasn't yeah, there an exact not, quote? So where one of them's like, oh, sand is so rough and it, it just gets everywhere. It's like, oh, yeah. just, okay. <laughs> Let's let's leave let's leave the sand jokes to the internet and move on. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, but but yeah. So then then they they leave Aratu and they go through the trek through the desert again, and this time they meet up with a strange uh, creature called uh, Gandhi, uh, or maybe it's Gandhi. Which I did not, I did not get this at, and at all. Yeah, that this was very weird. He was like guarding this this zone that was cordoned off due to radiation poisoning. And yes, I remember that. Gandier was basically um, like they end up they end up trying to like convince him to let him go past, and then. Right, right. When they're talking to him, that's when uh, I think he didn't he have like the Beatles all over him, um, Gandhi. Yeah, uh, I think maybe? so. Uh, that, but, but anyway, that's when that's right when Keldo finally catches not. up with them, and there's this massive battle between the uh, you know, it's basically like you know, 
Phasma versus her brother and all of their own people. And it's really sad to see Phasma and Siv uh, and um, and Torben like kill everyone else, all of their friends and family, mm-hmm. and basically wipe out their clan just because Keldo didn't want them to leave. Yeah, it's interesting because you know the mo- uh, the movie. Wow, the book starts out and you're. You kind of, I think, Nate naturally side with Keldo on the like, you know, Phasma's being overly aggressive, ruining the chances for peace and things like that. And at the end of the book, you're like, wow. So instead of like licking your wounds, Keldo, you decided to bring the entire clan across the further than you've ever been in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this was not a smart plan. It's purely based on revenge. Well, he paid for it. He he paid for it not being smart. Yeah. And and he ended up like it, it ended with, you know, the, the battle ended with Phasma murdering her brother, killing her brother, and Torben died in the fight as well. So it was just Phasma and Siv left, um, which is really uh, really sad, you know. Uh, and and uh, they they get in in Hux's ship and they actually abandoned Siv. They left her on the planet, and only Phasma goes off into space with Brendel, and I think at this point two of the stormtroopers. Uh, and then that's when the book shifts a little bit to being uh, told. So basically, Vi then makes these because now now Siv's gone, right? Siv's stuck on the planet. Um, Vi says that she just hacked first order cam footage and observed the rest of Phasma's story. See, and and it's probably at that point where if there's any kind of tweaks to Phasma's story, they at least have the first order part of it. They don't have to tweak. It's the backstory of it. They could tweak anything on the quote unquote planet. So were you expecting what Hux did as soon as they left the planet because he was like brutal. You mean you don't nuke the places you, you know, have just spent your life traveling? Yeah. Across? Like he, from orbit, he literally nuked the Skyer, Aratu, uh, every place they had been and just, just killed everyone. But, but isn't that following the Imperial code because sure. i'm still reading leia and what happened on but Christophsis. That was, i feel like different they're trying to like okay yeah i, I know but no okay, this but, was, but, this but was that, very much okay but that, okay that was the leaders okay that was that that was the leader okay but that was but still it was something to where that that the leaders of Christophsis, because the medical frigate was quote-unquote stolen that they all had to pay a price so Brendel Hawks basically took that little itty bitty bit from the Empire and expanded it a hundredfold. I can't stand this anymore, and this planet's going to pay the price of me having to sit here and trek through a desert, almost getting killed. I don't know how many times with these beetles everywhere, which will end up biting him in the end. I and you know I'm not going to leave any witnesses. So I took it done. A, I took it a little bit differently. I very much took it as Hawks was demonstrating to Phasma, like, hey, everything that we've just you know we've just gone through is, you know, you've been pretty damn amazing. Like, you've fought off more people than I obviously could have. But let's not forget what real power is and why you're going to join 
me and serve me because at the end of the day, this is what I get to do. So basically you're looking at it as it was a show of force from Brendel Hux to Phasma saying, this is what the first order can give. And you. don't, don't mess with me. That was, that I was how I interpreted yeah. it. Okay. At least. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can see it that way. It yeah. was, was interesting. Which plays, mm-hmm. which plays up to Phasma. Yeah. What, what, one thing that did surprise me though, was that Siv actually, and her newborn, cause remember she was pregnant and, and had a newborn named Toddy. Um, they ended up surviving. They, they found medical help, uh, in a facility in the radiation poison zone and they were able to live there without contact for a decade and eventually um you know they uh eventually i think it was i think it was toddy right or civ joins the first order um or no that was little frey uh that was little um, frey Um, no little frey yeah frey does until phasma kills her which was also like whoa like she little frey joined the first order and it wasn't clear like whether she had been recognized by Phasma, uh, but eventually Phasma had killed Frey because she was also a witness and she knew Phasma's past. Training yeah. accident, a weapons unquote. malfunction. Yeah, quote unquote. Uh, yeah, actually, before since we were talking about uh, Civ being kind of locked away for you know a decade, one of the other things I really liked about the novel is obviously coming from this planet. Both Civ and Phasma are very uh, technologically mm-hmm. illiterate, and I actually really appreciated the the effort that uh, the author went into to make it clear that, like, hey, they're holding a data pad, but they don't know mm-hmm. what a data pad is. Yeah, and mm-hmm. little just little pieces like that serve to really enhance, I think, the the feeling and how it's of the book, an awe of the, the authenticity of it. Yeah, you know, no, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, I, I liked, I really liked how Delilah did that. Um, the uh, the other thing, though, the, the and we, we finally get the the answer to what happened to Brendel. Um, she she killed him too uh, with the beetle. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that that with that, I think Cardinal was trying to get to. That's what Cardinal With was. Vi. The proof he yeah, needed. He was, yeah, he needed the proof. And the only way to get the proof was because that beetle was not something that the First Order has ever seen. So the proof he needed was actually to get that beetle so they could go to the back to tank, run back the records, and somehow connect the beetle to whatever left over in the back to tank, which, right. you know, what's, what is it? Water. Um, and then he could make the connection that was Phasma who brought the beetle in to kill him. Yeah, and actually, I love the scene where he confronts Armitage with it, and Armitage is like, do you have any evidence of these claims? And he's like, well, no. And he's like, oh, good. I already knew this, and I don't care. <laughs> like, who do you think yeah. helped like, Phasma yep, planet? I know Phasma killed yeah. my dad, and eh, I don't, I, yeah. In fact, not only did he knew, he's the one who ordered Phasma to kill his own father in an untraceable way. Yep. Like, yep. Mind blowing, you know. It's it's one of those scenes where you like you you, you try to report Gotta the issue and you're like hoxes. and you report it to the guy yeah. who you know the the mastermind behind the plot and you're like oh shoot, you know. Um, I loved that twist. Well, that's not what we meant. Yeah, exactly. And he basically tells Cardinal like, "You're never gonna say this again. Tell, talk about this again. Otherwise, I'll make you disappear." And it's like, whoa, 
I'm impressed they didn't just disappear him right then. Yeah. To be honest. Well, I I agree, but I think I think it actually opened up a great. I, I would almost say a character study by you could just tell Cardinal was had this inner fighting because I, the funny thing that we kind of skipped over a little bit was Vi when she was being tortured by Cardinal kind of had this feeling if there's any way she could turn Cardinal and Cardinal, you could tell the whole time was like, you know, he wanted the truth. He didn't want to be turned. He was totally loyal against first order, but Vi was always like, if there's any way I could Mm -hmm. take him and turn him, any way I could work him, any way I could do this. And then you get to this point to where it wasn't Vi who technically turned. If you want to say Cardinal turned against the first order, it was finding out that Brendel Hawks, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, uh, Armitage Hawks, Murdered his own father. And you could tell after that he's walking Ooh, away the heck going. Am I serving? It was almost like short circuiting. Yeah. It was like everything inside uh, Cardinal was kind of short circuiting yeah. at this point. Well, I I really appreciate this kind of detail that Cardinal, you know, they present many times that he is the perfect first order force. I can't talk. The perfect first order soldier programmed just the way uh Brendel Hux wanted him. Yes. And that turns against them because, you know, as you might imagine when you're programmed to think a certain way and it turns out that that's not the way the world actually is, that turns out to be really, I'm I'm using the word difficult, but it's not quite right. But it's like, it's, I think ultimately what does it to him is he realizes like, hey, I've been trained to believe these things and it's not true. Mm -hmm. And And that that, that, that that does shake his beliefs. Um, And he becomes very... Yeah, that that's what yeah, that's when he starts to almost turn. I would love to get another story with him and see where you know he goes. Yeah. Uh after that. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly, when he did finally confront Phasma and they did fight, he did, as we all know, he lived. But here okay, did it bother you? Okay, he goes back, sets Vi free. It was too easy. To have Vi come back and basically get him off the ship. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's part of the problem it was with almost the framing too of the novel is like it's just Yeah. I agree. It, yeah. that one it's they they're trying to get to the end of the book. And like they had a s yeah. they wanted to have a, a nebulous ending and you know, they just kind of were almost in a corner, I'd say. And they just kinda like waved their hands to make it work. Yeah. It it felt like literally it was like it was two pages and boom, Vi came, saved Cardinal, mm-hmm. out they went. Done. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I would love to see another book with, with Cardinal where you know, maybe I yeah. I would love to see more. Because I liked Cardinal. I, I, know, I'd like to see he's more. He's a very by the book guy. He's in the first order, he's one of their top lieutenants, but he's just trying to do what he thinks is the right thing because he was brainwashed. And when he starts to realize, oh wow, I'm not doing the right thing that's when um right you know things start to things start to change with him um now there is one other i'd actually say it's the one concrete piece of information we actually get from the novel which is we actually find out where phasma yes. comes from yep we've discovered that she returns to about a year after she joins the first order she returns to the uh, Parnassos to make sure that no evidence was left behind. And she takes Hux's ship, which is, you know, the thing they've been working towards the entire time, 
and turns out to have been one of Palpatine's personal yachts from Naboo and takes that chrome armor and turns it into, you know, the armor that yeah. we And see. she actually fashioned it at a, one of the Constar facilities on the planet. <clears throat> and that, that, that confirms what we all suspected, right? That, that the armor was made from a, a, a Naboo ship. Um, Wait, who's it had been rumored for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? This I was actually surprised by that. Oh, so. no, I, I yeah, I've seen the rumor. Me, I guess. Well, in the past, but it was this, out there. Uh, no, I, I believe it. I was just hundred percent me yeah. missing it. I, I I liked the idea that we're kind of cool. tying in, you know, the the, the ships, uh, for, from the the prequels and and saying, yeah, now this this first order character is basically wearing uh, a prequel ship, which is kind of cool. Um. Uh, 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 speaking of other references, we actually got an Admiral Sloan reference, uh, implying that she's still alive. Oh, right during the first, yeah, order. that was quick. Not only is still alive, but I believe she was referred to as yes. Grand Admiral Ray yes. Sloan. So is that going to kind of give hint we could see her in Episode Eight? I, or reference to Nate? I have no doubt, given how far back that they introduced Sloane, I have to believe yeah. they did it for she's, she's been They've been building her up for yeah. quite some time. So I, I think we'll see her in one of the films. I don't know if it's eight or nine or yeah. one of the spinoffs, but she's got to have some sort of importance to the to the saga. Um, yeah, and then I guess the last thing we didn't... <clears throat> uh, there's two two more minor things, but Vi uh, actually has the the knife. So uh, back on the Skyer, uh, we find out that before they joined, before before like before the book started, there were actually multiple groups, and the Skyer, who we think were the the good guys, basically attacked the Nautilus and Fa- and Phasma's family, and uh, basically killed her parents. Uh, and, and during the battle, that's when Phasma stabbed Keldo in the leg and permanently, uh, crippled him, um, so that, uh, you know, they could, you know, and then, oh, and then she even told her brother that it was the Skyer who had, uh, hurt him. Uh, and then she struck a deal with the Skyer to, to join them and, and, and sacrificed her parents in the process. Like, whoa, <laughs> that is, uh, that's some pretty, pretty dark stuff there. Um, but that, that, that night, uh, Vi gets a hold of, and she gives it to, and the beetle to Cardinal. Uh, and that's when she almost convinces him to, to join the, the resistance. Um, so yeah, it's very, very interesting stuff and very dark. <laughs> it's a very interesting book from start to finish. You have to look so. at it that way. I think that's. I think we've covered most of the book at this point. Um, yeah. Tom, you want to give your review or your, your final score? Yeah, I'm going to give my final score. Um, I enjoyed the book. Um, okay, I know the biggest thing about this was it was supposed to follow along with Mad Max. I saw Mad Max. Okay, it was a good movie. Not one of those where I'm like, yay, four. Um if this was probably put up on screen, I'd probably be like, okay, it was, re- you know, I read the book. It's a good book. Um, I, I'm, I'm giving it a seven. 
I don't know what else to do with it because it just, I see it more of, I know they were trying to do the Mad Max thing, but like I mentioned earlier, I saw it more of, if you ever see the movie, The Usual Suspects, that's how I read the book this way. And to a certain, certain extent, it works that way until it gets to the end. And you have to watch Usual Suspects to understand why. Um, great movie, by the way. Um, I'm giving this a seven. Seven Womp Rats. God, the hardest thing about this is I don't want them bitten by the Beatles because that is one of the most gruesome deaths. It's true. That I, is one of the most- I propose that, I, none I of can't, us should use that I as can't, our, our uh, no, finale here. No, I can't. You know what? I know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to take my seven Womp Rats and they're going to go to the fact they're going to go to the factory of the people who make the clothes and they're going to be the ones that are actually sitting there running the hamster wheels to power the machines that's <laughs> nice. making the fabric okay. for the clothes all seven okay. of them not bad at all yeah so at least they can live in peace and harmony they'll get a lot of exercise and they'll look good while doing it and that's what's important right absolutely Okay, so I'm giving I'm giving the book a seven. Okay, so, um, Stephen, you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. I think so. I'll give it. I think. A, I think I'll give it a six and a half out of ten. Um, overall, I definitely enjoyed the book. It was worth reading. It just, it's definitely not one of those books that's gonna make me want to like come back and read it again. There's nothing yep. uh, overly powerful about it. It doesn't have a like. A, a classic story that you read time and again. It was just, I wanted to know a little bit more about Phasma and I found out actually less than I was hoping to find out, but it's, you know, it's still better than nothing. Um, it, but it was, you know, it was written well and I definitely enjoyed reading it. It was just, I don't know. It was, it's not, not a timeless classic, if that makes sense. Yep. No, totally, um, totally in my opinion, totally makes sense. Yeah. So one of, we didn't talk about this very much. One of the things we talk, we learn is that Cardinal is actually a, you know, he's a, the perfect soldier, but it turns out he's not perfect. He's, he, we discover he's kept, uh, I think it's a, like a necklace or I'm trying to remember what it was exactly. Some oh, token right. of his childhood that he wasn't supposed to have. Turns out it's not only that, that he kept, he also was keeping six and a half womp rats <laughs> in his room as well against first order regulations. How did he keep six and a half womp rats in his room? And how it, did the half not stink? The six is really easy. I Let's not talk about the half. <laughs> but that, that's the best I got. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah. So okay, let's William, see. My, um, uh, you know, I... I I enjoyed the book. I I think like you guys, it, it wasn't something that So I I was not it's not necessarily groundbreaking. We we did find a couple bits about Phasma, which is which is nice. We find out, you know, why, you know, she never shows her face and how uh like nobody in the first order knows who she is. Like she never takes it off, period. Um she like eats by herself, like she never never um never takes off her helmet. Uh, and, and why she's kind of guarded and we figure out where she got the armor and a bit more about how dark she is. Um, but I, I, I feel like we, I would have loved to have had more time with her during the first, in, in the first order, instead of just saying, Hey, she's, she joins the first order and she's perfect and is immediately promoted to the top and the end. Um, wow. You know, you better be careful, William. 
people like Armitage will make you disappear <laughs> for saying things like that. Um, How dare you question Fatima? But, you know, by the same token, I, I did enjoy a lot of the other parts of the book. I'm not a huge Mad Max guy. I thought the movie was fine. Um, and so, I, I, mm. I, just to be totally honest, like my own personal Agreed. preference is... It, I wasn't quite as excited about the time on Parnassos, which I know was the, the a lot of the book. Um, but um, but you know it, it was it was well written, and I, I liked a lot of the stories on there. And it, we haven't seen that style of, of 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 story in Star Wars as much. So you know, overall, I, I thought you know Delala uh, Dawson did a, a good job, and the writing was very 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 good too. Uh, I just would have loved to see a bit more about phasma uh after she joined the first order uh i loved all the details around like what is her what second? happened to brendel and cardinal and and all that kind of stuff so hopefully we get more of that at some point so uh i'm gonna give it uh the seven womp rats and my seven womp rats these womp rats come from parnassos and they actually are just like the beetles so they're running around attacking people and turning them into water actually no it's like the exact opposite they turn them into dust so like the beetles suck out all the water or uh, suck out all the like stuff and turn them in the water and these womp rats suck out all like the water and turn them into dust so kind of like the old batman so Adam West series they turn where, like, them into the sand villains turn everybody into like the puddles of sand yeah oh yeah from the movie <laughs> yeah yeah from the movie Exactly. So, so they terrible, yeah. terrible rats. Okay. Okay. Wow, William. Uh, um, but before we continue, what's the next book Deli- uh, Delilah is going to write? Because actually, I agree. I like her writing style. She wrote in I, 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 uh, Forces Forces of Destiny. Wow. Um, she wrote uh, in a certain yeah. point of view, and I feel like was she. There was she was going to write something else. I remember them announcing it, and I remember seeing the name. I so she remember. wrote Scorched and Star Wars Insider. She wrote The Perfect Weapon. She wrote Phasma, and I don't think she, anything else has been announced from her except from a certain point. And she wrote the story about uh, Grindon in uh, from a certain point of view. I don't think anything else has been announced yet. Yeah, I guess okay. we'll find out then. Yeah, we'll find out because I I liked her style. I, I it's going to be I want to read her next book. So we'll see how she goes. With uh, that. So, you know, wow. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple days with our review of Heroes of Mandalore yep. because Rebels premieres tomorrow. If you're listening to this right as we uh, uh, as, as we post this episode, chances are, though, you're listening to this on Monday or later, which means Rebels is out, guys. Go go check it out. Rebels is back. The go final season. Stop. Go watch yet, it. Why did you listen well, to wait, us when you yes. could be watching Rebels? Now, wait a minute, Steven. You want them to hear this and then watch Rebels. You want them to hear this podcast first. Because no, that way they got no. Phasma out of the way and then Rebels they get into Rebels. Tom, Rebels. It's Star the final Rebels. season. I, I know, but... I, I'm willing to sacrifice the final season. our views for Rebels. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So... Can't wait to to dis- to review these episodes with you. So we'll be back very very soon later this week with our review of Heroes on Mandalore. Heroes of Mandalore, although they are on Mandalore, but they're off. Stay tuned. 
Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your reviews will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. You can visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2017.